0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik, and uh, we are repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome, and enjoy. Woo! What's up,
1: bro? Oh, there we go. It works.
0: (laughs) Yeah, listen, you know what the thing is? Even though I'm brown, I'm not as techie as I should be. Yeah. Like even how you know you're in you're in you know how people would just randomly ask you computer questions, like you should know it.
1: But yeah, anyone with brown parents knows that brown people aren't naturally techy, man. The the (laughs) stupidest tech questions I get are from my parents. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) What, what kind of questions do they ask you?
1: What, like my mom puts all of her passwords in a pad like she writes the login the website and the password and the pad and she keeps the pad visible on the table like a vase so i'm like this completely defeats the purpose of having the passwords all sorts That's of shit. she asked me about like the netflix like i'm gonna get rid of cable i want the netflix so then i'll be like all right um we we could we could do that just to make sure you know, make sure you know what shows are on Netflix because it's not the same thing. You're not going to be able to watch ZTV and all the crime dramas that those are the only things you watch anyway. You have to get rid of everything but ZTV. That's what you have to do. But um, it's all these like basic questions. But, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of habits, man. Because, like, the other point I, I always make to people is all this people make fun of old people that don't know how to use technology, but all the yeah. technology we use was created by old people. Like Steve Jobs was old. Oh, that's interesting. Like Bill Gates is old. You know, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, yeah. he's old. Like these, these people are all old. They're not young, it's not like some 19-year-old kid that created like all this stuff. Like they're creating dumb shit. They're creating Snapchat, stuff that no one uses.
0: <laughs> but you know, I wonder though, even though these are the guys that envisioned it, I wonder how they were actually using it. Like I wonder if Steve Jobs like fumbled yeah. with the settings and iPhone. I, I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> imagine why is yeah, it right? ask me to install updates it's yeah
0: like, <laughs> they're you know i think maybe like the first iphone he did a demo and like something wasn't working and he got really pissed like it was an, a live it was a live demo and he got really pissed and but it's funny and then there's a clip of it everywhere and then he actually told everybody in the audience to get off wi-fi because it was slowing down the connection and that was that's why it was causing it but he got pissed, and uh, seeing Steve Jobs is like is hilarious. So where are you now?
1: Yeah, because no, even 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 Bill Gates, right? Even Bill Gates had the that was the big thing with Microsoft. They uh, they had that like the blue screen, right? Remember the blue screen? Oh, of yeah, yeah that yeah. You don't see anymore. yeah. yeah. Key- yeah. Um, so you're in California. Now, launch, right? like they're like yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still um I'm still in in the land of uh, land of Los Angeles, so I moved here. I think about two weeks ago at this point. So you know, I'm still I'm still Mitra NYC on Instagram, and I'm still NYC based. But I'm just out here for a little bit trying to work on a few things. But it's been great. It's raining though. It's really bad weather right now.
0: How's um How's the vibe out there? So you're you're, you grew up in New York, right? So how, how are you getting adjusted? Are people like a little too laid back for you?
1: Oh man, you know it's kind of crazy. You don't see people. If you, it's kind of like New York in the sense you don't have to see people if you don't want to, because everyone, you know, the city's big. It's not like Manhattan, where everyone's kind of put into a little closet and you have to tiptoe around people everywhere you go. And I mean, now, obviously, with with the uh, coronavirus and stuff, it's a little different. But um, in L.A., I, people really just are kind of in a different world. You know, you mostly you're in your house. Uh, you kind of stay like in your area. If you have a car, that helps. You can move around a lot. I don't have a car. So. I'm not, I'm like going three blocks to like the coffee shop to do some work. And then I'll like walk, you know, 20 minutes to my friend's house. Like my neighbor, I call her, and she's 20 minutes away. And uh, <laughs> wow. And yeah, you know, that's it. But not people, it's chill. I do, it's tough to get stressed out out here when anytime you yeah. have a bad day, you just go outside and you're staring at yeah. palm trees and the beach. It's part of the yeah. reason why I moved out here.
0: Yeah. So um, tell people about you. So you've been doing comedy for how long now? And how, how did you get into it? I listened to some of your Caroline stuff. It was hilarious.
1: You know, thanks. So thanks for having me on, man. Um, you know, just as a little intro, my name is um, Anish, or Anish, as my mom calls me, Anish Mitra. That's my my proper name. So I'm going yeah. to be able to say that on here every time I'm on stage. I, I feel weird saying my own name. I'm like, oh, my name is Anish Mitra. Um, but I've been doing comedy for about five years. I've been doing public speaking my whole life because when I was little, I, I grew up in New York. I grew up in Queens. I was born in Woodside. Uh, I was born, in, um, I grew up in Woodside, and I lived there until I was, I don't know, first grade, second grade, you know, 1996. Um, and my parents and me, I'm an only child. We, they're both from Calcutta, so I'm, I guess I'm Indian Bangali. Uh Bengali. As, as I speak Bengali, I'm fluent. Um, you know, if if we want if you want to test that, we can we can do that later. I always get tested because I, <laughs> yeah, I, I have it. Um yeah, we could do some translations or something. Um, but I so I grew up in Queens, Woodside, I moved to Long Island, I moved to Belrose, which is kind of a hybrid between Queens and Long Island. It's not exactly Long Island, but it's not exactly Queens. Um and I grew up there for all my life. So I'm born and bred in New York. I went to public school, and then I went to college in 2006 to 2010. I went to Brown University, and I uh, studied economics. I didn't really know what I wanted to do after graduating because I didn't want to be a doctor, and I didn't want to, um, you know, I didn't want to be an engineer. Uh, so I still wanted my parents to love me and feel like sending me to college wasn't a huge waste of money. So I, I thought I was going to go to law school, and then. One of my friends had just come back. I was a junior, he was a senior. He had just come back from working in New York City. And I, I knew I always wanted to be in New York City. I wanted to, cause when I was little, I'd go to Manhattan and it was, um, it just felt super fun. It felt like all the rich people and the cool people were in Manhattan and all the losers were, were in Long Island. <laughs> um, so I wanted to be there. And I was like, what could get me there? And one of my buddies had just worked at a bank he worked at this bank called Lehman Brothers. Uh, I don't know if anyone uh, remembers Lehman brothers anymore, but he said he got paid $10,000 for 10 weeks just to update some PowerPoint presentations. And I was like, wait a minute, I know how to use PowerPoint and I know English. So that started a nine-year journey of working at different banks. I worked at Barclays, I worked at Goldman Sachs for a long time, and about Halfway through, about four and a half years through, I just felt really empty and dead inside. I didn't like the work I was doing. I wasn't getting up early in the morning, rushing to work. And I missed things that I did actually when I was a kid, when I was in high school, when I was in college. I missed writing, speaking. I missed talking in front of people. I missed sharing my voice and my views. And you know how Bangalis are, man. We love singing, dancing, movies, Rabindranath Tagore. Like, those are the things that are really in our blood. And I just felt like... I was not only wasting a lot of my energy on things that I didn't care about, but I wasn't truly doing what made me happy. So after about four and a half years of doing this stuff, I, I saw one of my buddies, this dude, Sachin Sean, Sachin Bonsal. He was just a friend of a friend, but he was a lawyer and he's a, a little bit older than me. He invited me to a comedy show and I'd never been to a comedy show before, ever. Uh, oh, It's just wow. not something that... I thought would be entertaining, <laughs> ironically enough.
0: Um, I mean, Did you watch comedy on TV at all? Thing? Or did you watch comedy on TV? Or yeah, were you I'm a watching, fan of comedy? You know, I mean, yeah, because look, you know, you grew up in New York, you
1: see, it's tough to get away from it, right? Because, you know, people are watching things and Seinfeld, I watched a lot. I watched a lot of Seinfeld. He's probably one of my biggest inspirations. Chris Rock, George Carlin, um, you know, Russell Peters, I think everyone... Mm-hmm. In like 2005 or 2006 watch those those same three russell peters clips and i think that's when you know that's when i knew there were comedians but i never really knew about the comedy scene in new york and once my buddy Sachin invited me to the show it turns out he was performing on the show i thought we were just going to go see a show together and hang out i'm sitting there i don't see him anywhere and then suddenly the show starts and someone calls him up and he's like up there he's doing jokes and people are laughing and I'm like, Oh, my God, like, this is crazy. Anyone can do this. I thought you needed to be like, world famous already in order for you to be, you know, on the stage. So that's when I decided I was like, Okay, I got to at least try this out. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I want to see if I can do this. And I haven't really looked back since doing that. So it's been cool. How was
0: your first time? Did you kill it for your first time?
1: Oh, I don't even remember. I think I blacked out. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding I'm It wasn't it wasn't that bad. There are ways to get into it now that's more structured. I think in the 70s and 80s when people were starting, you just go up in front of people that were eating and see how it went. But like you can take classes and stuff now. I don't necessarily think I would have I would have done it no matter what. It's not like the I had to take the class, but my friend Sachin recommended, you know, take this class at the comedy cellar. You'll meet a bunch of other people and they give you a show. They invite people to when you get a tape. So that's how I started. I still have the tapes. Um, I cringe when I look at them now, but it was good. It felt good. It just felt fun. And I think the thing with comedy is, or anything really, it's you don't have to be good the first time you do it. And you're probably not going to be good. And you might even be good the hundredth time you do it. But once I did it, I felt like something went off in my head. And I was like, you know what? This is something that I want to work at. And I think... A lot of people find that with fitness, with startups, with technical problems, with puzzles. For me, that was my puzzle. I was like, you know, this is an interesting thing. And it combines a lot of the things that I like. It combines writing, speaking, performing, figuring things out, teaching people. That's a big thing too, right? Um, so I was like, why not just take this and see where it goes?
0: Yeah. So how about the business side of it? Are you are you having or do you think your um, time in Corporate America helped you? is helping you navigate like the business side of things in comedy?
1: Absolutely, and that's the key word, business, right? I think the one thing I saw in the New York City scene and the one thing I see in general with with artists and even the perception of what you're supposed to be doing is you really do have to treat it like a business. And what does that mean? Does that mean you're scamming people? Does that mean you're charging fees or you're always like monitoring every single dollar that comes in and you're charging for everything? That's not what business means to me. Business to me means you have a set of principles that you operate on. Right. So when I was working at Goldman Sachs, um, you know, there are certain principles that they use, right? Like clients first, um, you know, always do everything for the client. Now it's, up to, up to us to obviously see whether or not they're adhering to their principles. I think a lot of people would say there have been times when they haven't, but for me, I kind of took that lesson from the corporate world. Like, okay, you know, I need to operate, I need to have some sort of operating principles, right? And for me, those are my values. So that was the first way that I was able to kind of organize myself as how do you, what kind of artist do you want to be? What kind of comedian do you want to be? What are the things you want to talk about? And for me, I had to think through what's important to me. Um, you know, things like integrity, I think, just keeping things real like my style is very real and raw but i would say real and raw with a suit right it's respectable real and raw but at the crux of it it's how can we get to the truth of what's going on right so when i talk about you know we were having that conversation before about technology and you know a lot of people say old people are bad at technology well is that really the truth like let's actually dig into that and see like what is the issue with old people and or or anyone really and why can't they figure it out like even young people can't figure out technology too i right? I can't tell you the amount of times I've been in meetings and the line goes off and you see like some new intern, like struggling to figure out like, yeah, so integrity is very important. You know, the, the other business kind of thing is, you know, what what's your strategy, right? Like when, when you work, the one thing I will say about working in a corporate white collar environment, and I, I am very happy that I've had that experience is. You have to plan ahead you have to strategize so what are you going to do right being a comedian a lot of people get really caught up in like okay i just have to get on stage perform and i'll do that for 20 years and then someone will see me and then i'll get discovered and then everything will be fine um i think that's like the attitude that a lot of south asians have too with life it's like you know i'm just gonna study and study and study and study i'm gonna go to harvard and then after i graduate everything's gonna fall into place. Like, you know, a woman's gonna yeah. come out of nowhere and marry me, I'll have three beautiful kids, a house will come out of nowhere. Like, no, you have to plan ahead, you have to work backwards, and you have to go step by step. So, you know, those are a lot of the principles that I apply when I think through, okay, what do I want to talk about? What are my values? What place do I want to come from? And then what are the different things that I want to get to over the next well, do, many do,
0: years? um so you you met Sachin or you knew him and it kind of helped you or you, you got some sort of inspiration from him. What if do you think mm-hmm. you would have continue that path if you had not met such it would have still happened
1: you know i think it would have been harder i mean comedy in new york city and even i'm seeing here in los angeles and even online on instagram it is a community but it's really tough to work keep yourself motivated and do things yeah. unless you're working with other people, and I think that's true for anything, right? That's a lesson that I learned in the corporate world too. It's very—you're never going to get anything done unless you're working in teams. That was a big thing at Goldman. I'm sure that's a big thing everywhere. So having Sachin as a teammate and a brother, and even you know just a collaborator has has been immensely helpful to my ability to get started. I mean, the reason we started. So we start, you know, for the people that are listening that, that don't know, you know, Sachin and I started a show in New York, so a live comedy show that you buy tickets, you come to, we do it every month. It's called The Surprise Show. And we started the show about two two or three years ago. And since then, we've really grown it as a brand. It's a brand that stands for diversity, access, and excellence in comedy in New York City. We try to have diverse performers. When we started out, a lot of the lineups were just white men, and the diversity was the one white woman that they would have had to the lineup. So we wanted to showcase diverse performers in all areas, whether it's race, gender, talent level, right? We have newcomers, we have pros, and we wanted to give people access to this. We wanted to give them a good experience. A lot of the shows that we would go to were either run poorly or it would be three and a half hours long and, you know, $40 plus to buy drinks you have to buy like you know just not i don't want to invite my friends to that i'm not going to have any more friends left so um we started yeah. doing this about two years ago and since then we've really grown it into a real brand we sell out every show we've been featured in time at new york the new york post and now we have a bit of a celebrity following so you know if, if you're in yeah. new york city come out to see one of our shows where
0: is it uh, it's a different venue every time right
1: we've been partnering with a venue called hotel Chantel it's in the lower east side in new york city it's on delancey street i believe and we've been doing the show there for for almost yeah. a year at this point um, you've had some right uh, now, our, our next show is planned for march 26th but yeah dude that's been the biggest surprise ironically and that's kind of how we got the name so we would do we were doing the show and and this is why i'm a big believer in just kind of consistency and and continuing to just do the very best that you can. That's another one of my values, just thoroughness, just being very thorough with everything. Because in the beginning we were doing this show at a club called Eastville, Eastville comedy club. And it was really just such and I trying to find a way to get on stage and have our friends come and support us. And we started the first problem we were trying to solve is, well, how do we sell out the show? How do we just get 80 people to come out once a month? Um, so we did a ton of guerrilla marketing, and we would focus a lot on the lineups. And once we started selling out the show, I remember Jim Gaffigan, who, for those who don't know, you know he's he's a world class level comedian, hilarious guy. Um, yep. he's got five albums out, really really funny dude. He lived like two blocks away from Eastville, and the owner at Eastville would call him and be like, "Hey dude, these like these two brown dudes keep selling out the room on a Wednesday." Uh, <laughs> on a- on like Wednesday at like 7.30 p.m. So just go over there if you want to perform. And these guys are always looking for, you know, for stage time, obviously, to test stuff out. And yeah. he started coming and he became a regular person. He follows me on Instagram now. He's a super cool dude. So once wow. he started coming, all that just kind of snowballed. And since then, you know, we've worked with Gaffigan, Judah Friedlander, Hasan Minaj, you know, Hasan Bai came through, super nice guy. And recently, like, like you mentioned, we've had Ronnie Chang, Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show, and Nikki Glaser, who came by. So yeah. it's just something that has been snowballing and now it's part of our brand.
0: Was she high in person?
1: <laughs> she's, hey, she's she's an A-list celebrity, man. She's, she's gotta be good looking. Um, but yeah, she's pretty. i
0: you, you know, exactly my
1: type, but you know, shout you out watch
0: Nikki. The, We watched The Roast on Comedy Central. Uh, is, uh, and is that, yes. um, is, those are, but they're really raunchy right like they're are they um are they yeah, close yeah. to your brand of comedy or are you a little bit more it seems like you're you're probably not as raunchy as, as those guys those guys go hard
1: dude man this does this face look raunchy to you man i mean it would be, be kind of weird i'm like i uh, you know this this face is is very much like you know Cas- casper the ghost or you know Pretty boy talking about raunchy stuff. I, no, man, that's that that can't be my my mom comes to my shows. Man, you know what I mean? Like, really? I got to keep it. I think the raunchiest. I think the raunchiest I get is talking about trading stocks or when I'm oh, wow, not studying for the SAT. I think I think that's the raunchiest stuff. No, my look, my brand of humor is very much like I was saying. It's it's intellectual, but it's real and it's observational. So Seinfeld is a big. You know, growing up I watched a lot, I never watched the show, but I watched a lot of his stand up. And what I really yeah. like is the way that he was able to break down I would say my, my comedy is re- there's really two parts of it. The first part is the technical stuff, right? It's kind of the, the dribbling and the shooting. I'm a big fan of the writing. Like anyone that follows me on Twitter or anyone that reads my writing or follows my Instagram can see a lot of the jokes. And I like to start with, you know, are the jokes gonna be technically funny? If someone were to just read it, would would they be laughing? Cause that's kind of how I started developing my voice when I was at brown in college you know I was I was actually the head of the college Republicans at brown uh, this was back in 2007 2008 so don't don't hate me if you're listening we all do stupid things in college um but a lot of how what I did was you know I would write articles and humor was the number one way that I would argue a point and that's I learned early on that that's a way to get people on your side or that's a way to easily explain things without making it boring so for me i've always been focused on the writing and i think seinfeld is just a great writer and the second piece yeah. of it is purpose right i don't i think there are plenty of funny comedians and you can get whatever you want especially nowadays with instagram if you just want a, a clown that's going to make you laugh and do faces and do impressions you know, that's, that's out there for you, right? Like for me, my brand of humor and my my style is there's gotta be some purpose behind what I'm saying. Like, are you learning something coming out of this? Are you learning something new about the world that you might not have known? Are you making connections in your head that you wouldn't have otherwise made? Um, that George Carlin type of approach is something that's like really important to me. So I try to marry the two with my work and you know that's, that's what we're constantly building towards. Yeah,
0: uh, Robin Williams had a quote uh, rest in peace, Robin Williams. He said that, uh, up comedy is the only occupation where you can use everything you've ever learned. So I found that interesting.
1: Mm, that's, that's super, that's just super true. It's just super true. I think it's the only occupation where I can use 9 years of working in banking and and still have that be something that's that's fruitful right like I wouldn't be able to do that if you know if I now suddenly were to become a doctor or something like that yeah. right um, yeah. but you know it's also the only it's also the easiest way for me to talk about my culture and i found that like you know the the big reason one of the big reasons why i also got into comedy was i wanted to talk about my upbringing who i am my culture and then in, now even my white collar pain, which I think is something that a lot of people, especially a lot of first generations can identify with. Right. I mean, you know, too, like how, how can you make a living for yourself, you know, where where you can also do nice stuff, like go to nice restaurants and, you know, have a couple yeah. glasses of wine here and there. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to do that by, by sitting at home or, or essentially, obviously you can be a doctor or a lawyer, but you know, there's this whole other world of like white collar jobs, like being a consultant, being a banker, working in banking, um, you know, whatever they're saying in startups now, right? Like so many people are in tech. Um, I think a lot of those experiences are very, very similar. And a lot of people in our generation go through those experiences and they constantly wonder, you know, is this what I really want to be doing? Do I belong here? Um, so comedy is a way for me to talk about all that. It's a way for me to talk about, you know, what my parents were like when I was little being Brown, not liking my white collar job and just my observations about the world and being from New York.
0: Um. Do you think that you could have done comedy on the side? Because you know people have a lot of. I I knew a few people in oh, in corporate America when, that that did side. Also, oh, so you did it for a while. You did it on the side for a while.
1: Yeah, that's all. That's all I was doing. I was doing it on okay. on the side, uh, on top, at the bottom. <laughs> I mean, I so I started doing comedy five years ago, and I was working full time at Goldman oh. Sachs and I had switched my job. So I was originally doing, you know, mergers and acquisitions and that was like a hundred hours a week. Um and then I was like, okay, I need more time to do this comedy. It was that was the the first big decision that I had to make, basically, because I basically had to tell myself, look, you're switching your entire career path. And it's kind of like the it's kind of like um you know, like once once you leave they don't really like like let you back in or it's very very hard to get back in um it's it's kind of like you know it's, it's almost like if, if you got into netflix uh yeah. during like a free trial or, or like some promotional rate and you decided to like get rid of it well when you come back yeah. they're gonna hit you with full price right you're gonna have to do mm-hmm. everything all over again so that was the first big decision that i had to make i was like do i want to leave this position you know this industry doing mergers and acquisitions transition to something different even though it's still the same place it's still a different career, right? I went from being a deal maker to now training other people and being more on the people side. Yeah. And you know, obviously there's a pay cut and stuff like that too. So that was the first big decision that I had to make. And I made that decision and I said, Look, I'm gonna do this and I'm also gonna do comedy at night. I wasn't willing to just walk away. I think that would have been yeah. a bit foolhardy because I don't yeah. even know what I'm getting into. And plus, like New York is expensive. You need healthcare. You need money to do stuff. I don't want to like leech off my parents. That was another big principle of mine. Like, oh, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it on my own and it's got to be responsible. You know, I don't have the luxury of having my mom, you know, pay for my apartment or pay for my food or my lattes or the kale. So if I want that stuff, I got to get it on my own. Right. Um, So I did a full time. I did comedy while working full time for a good basically until last July. And that's when I realized I was like, look, now for me to take this entertainment thing that I'm doing, whether it's comedy, writing, a YouTube show that I'm working on, for me to take this to the next level, I need to invest myself into it. And I honestly saw it as, look, my mom is still on my back about going to school, going to business school, I'll be 40 years old and she'll still be like, you know, it's never too late to go to med school. Um, so I thought this was my way of basically going to business school, right? Like. Either way, I'm going to be spending a lot of money, so I might as well spend it on myself. Try to figure out how I'm going to build this stuff, meet people, make connections, and see where yeah. it goes. And worst comes to worst, if it doesn't work out, then you know, I'll just uh, move back into her basement.
0: Yeah. What's yeah? So are you uh, are you you're not in uh, banking anymore? But are you still like just following the market? Uh, obviously, the last few days it's been just incredibly tumultuous.
1: Yeah, dude, the, the last few days. I mean, you, you you can't see it on my face yet, but I'm sure this is gonna be all wrinkles by next week, man. It's uh it's been nuts. You know, what what I think Drake and Future had that album, right? What a time to be alive. It came out five years too yeah. early. It's been nuts out here. I yeah. think I follow the market every day. I think everyone should. If you're following politics, if you're following your favorite fitness influencer who's posting pictures of her ass and telling you to buy her supplements. If you're following your favorite celebrities, we're talking about you know what what kind of kale they're buying. Like you should be following what's going on in the markets because the markets affect you the same way that legislation affects you, the same way that the weather affects you. It's you know it's, it's raining out here in L.A. and I'm pretty sure it's because of the market, man. Like it's been so it's basically been <laughs> thunderstorming and tornadoing in the market right now. It wouldn't make sense if it was 70 degrees, sunny, no clouds. Um, but yeah, I follow that every day, man. You know my my, my experiences with the market have been weird because like when I was little, I mean, you know, I had so many Jewish friends and like white friends in college that grew up just knowing like what stocks were and what to buy because their dad and their mom would, you know, give them stocks for their birthday. Like I was lucky if I got a PlayStation game for my birthday. Right. So we grew up a lot focusing on things like how do we buy a car? How do we buy a game? How do we buy a new fridge? My mom's still trying to buy a new fridge. Um, But I feel like other people just grow up with this mindset of like, no, stocks are just like normal thing that everyone kind of needs to understand. And it's just another piece of how you build your wealth in this country and in life, right? For us, first generations, my mom and dad, and still they're just so focused on what's your job, right? That's the only source of income that you can possibly have your job. And, uh, you know, like I I have friends who've started businesses, like their own business. I have a buddy, family friend of mine, started a marketing company and he's doing very, very well. He has a lot of big clients. He makes more money now than he ever would have at a corporation. And his mom still asks him, So like what are you gonna be done with this and when are you gonna get a job? Um, so it's just, you know, that mentality exists because we have not been in this country, I think, you know, for for long enough to really be part of of this of this thing, right? The stock market. And I follow it every day because it's interesting to me. um, The stock market is a mirror, right? It doesn't really exist in and of itself. It's something something that reflects what's going on with our country, in the world, what's going on in the economy, what's going on with companies. And that's what we're seeing now with coronavirus and COVID, right? Like people are panicking. They have no idea what's going to happen. They're looking to see what the government's doing. They're looking to see what's happening in other countries. And the stock market is reflecting that panic and that fear. Um, so, you know, that's why I follow it. And that's why I'm on a mission with my comedy and my work to really help people understand what it is in a funny way. Because if you look at if you watch Bloomberg, um, read The Wall Street Journal or watch CNBC, like this stuff is boring. Like it's it not fun to watch. Like it, it's more fun to watch sports. Uh, and yeah. you know, I don't, it's more fun to watch like curling than, than it is to yeah. watch like Monday morning market minute. So someone's got to make that fun and cool, but also informative. And I think I'm, I'm in a good position to at least try and do that.
0: So I want to get your thoughts on this. Cause after, yeah, I'm gonna, so I, this I, I feel nowhere. strange, I'm, I feel strange, uh, not working. Like, did you have that feeling when you first left iBanking of like, like what? What the hell is going feel, on? Like, I don't have to I wake like up at, at eight. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, what am I doing? I also feel like I've just gotten a lot lazier. Like, I wake up at yeah. ten, eleven every day, and I yeah. have. I feel like I have. I have no. Um,
1: you're being your true Bengali self.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. The feeling,
1: the feeling that you're feeling is is you coming coming into yourself. That's the feeling that you're feeling. No, <laughs> I'm
0: kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I also had freedom guilt. As well, yeah. that's what I like to call. That's it. a good. There's that's a, a good term, yield, especially if uh, cause you you worked, you worked in a you know in banks, right? Like you, you worked, I worked you for banks. I was thing.
0: in, a, yeah, I was in a legal and compliance role, so I didn't have like the hundred hours like you did, but uh but yeah, it was. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah.
1: Oh, so ninety. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just. It was just eighty hours. It was really, it was yeah. really easy. That's that's what happens in New York. Well, it's not even just like. Like look, as as uh you know, as someone who probably grew up the way most, you know, Bangalese and South Asians do in this country, you are taught that, you know, if you're not working, you're dying. Um if if anything, like you're almost taught like if you're not working, you're you're killing like you're not only your own dreams, but you're killing your chances of getting married, you're killing your chances of having a kid, at a happy life. So there's always that guilt. And when I wasn't working, which for the longest, the longest period of time that I've never worked in my life before I, you know, got a job um, at 22 out of college, has been now. So it's been since July. And yeah, in the beginning, it was, it was just horrendous. It felt like I was in a prison. It almost felt like I wasn't free because I just felt very empty and devoid of purpose. Even though I was doing comedy, but I didn't. I wasn't in the right headspace. Because the funny thing is, I got really comfortable ironically, working at Goldman, even though that was stressful and that was around 70, 80 hours a week and I was a vice president, I had people I managed, I had real responsibilities. I got comfortable doing that and then doing comedy, right? I didn't have to worry about comedy as a business or as something that could sustain me. It was just something that I was doing and I was doing it very regularly I, you know, I perform i was performing at clubs all over in new york the surprise show is a very very big lift it's basically like planning a wedding every month yeah so we have people that are coming we have to make sure they're going to be fine um so i got really comfortable in that flow of things even though it was stressful and that's the thing with new york city and, and working in a lot of these jobs i think anyone will understand you do funny enough really become comfortable with the stress it just becomes yeah. habit yeah. that you deal with right and you let it go in other ways you know you either drink a lot you party you eat a lot whatever it is um so once I stopped working similar to you yeah I was I was waking up early at 11 30 in the morning as long as it was a.m I was like okay yeah we're good um, there were nights there were nights I'd be out till four in the morning because I didn't you know I didn't have um I didn't have yeah. to go through that I didn't have to go through living on my own and not having to work and that's yeah. a journey in and of itself but Look, I think having my parents, you know, I'm really, really supportive. I make this one joke where, you know, people say I look white, I sound white, I act white. But the whitest thing about me is I have two supportive parents that actually support (laughs) what I want to do. uh, Because they've seen me struggle, you know, they've seen me try, they've seen me, I didn't just work at a bank for two weeks and was like, all right, like, this isn't for me, like, I'm gonna go do comedy. Like, it was something that I really thought about, and I've been honing these skills for a long time. So it wasn't until basically, so July 2019, I left, right? And I had some big shows that I was preparing for, some conferences I was doing. Um, you know, I, I performed at Bungalow Shyamalan, which, you know, I've been doing that for a few years. It's been an unbelievable, amazing experience. Um, but it wasn't until really the fall that I was like, look, here are the things I want to work on. I want to work on the show on YouTube about finance, current events, making it funny, similar to what is going on at The Daily Show or what even Pasa Minaj is doing on Netflix. I want to keep building my stand-up profile, right? I want to keep writing jokes. I want to be able to do an hour of material and do an album. And I want to try some new things. I want to move out to LA. I want to maybe try acting, do some things, uh, work with others. I never had the time to actually meet and work with other people in comedy aside from the stuff that I've done with Sachin and maybe a few podcasts here and there. So even meeting you and reaching out to other bongali south asian organizations yeah. and seeing how we can work together has been a big part of that um you know one one thing i'll add like the other thing that's that i'm still doing and it's important to me is i'm on the board of a non called supna basically yeah. you know like shopno right yeah. um they're based in new york city they are primarily they they help women you know women like our mothers our aunts our sisters they help women that are to bangladeshi and you know in south asian indian um pakistani whatever it might be uh who are new to new york and just need a support system need to understand just how to live how to how to talk to other people how to interview for a job um so that was the other motivator too i wanted to get more involved with my community activities because you know most people I think the extent, those who work in corporate jobs know the extent of community involvement is usually like you spend five hours cleaning up garbage from a park and then they give you a t-shirt. So, um, those are yeah. the things that gave me structure. And now those are the things that motivate me when, when I get up actually early in the morning, uh, at like seven, seven thirty. Um, so that's, that's been good, but yeah, I was going crazy for a long time man. I was yeah. living like, you know, I was living like one of these like celebrities that are about to go to rehab, except I'm not a celebrity <laughs> and I'm not successful. And were I'm you uh, in rehab, so. were,
0: were you always uh, the funny kid in class and uh, you, were your co-workers surprised that you were doing comedy on the side? Like, were you the funny kid in, a, in, like, a meeting?
1: You know, I was never, I don't think I was, anyone would say I was the class clown. If anything, in school, I was always very serious because I was afraid of not not being able to get out of my hometown like the last thing i wanted was to be trapped in belrose or to be trapped on island and you know that was at an age when i was 15 16 and i was just learning about the world and remember you know for the people listening i mean if you're if you're in my age if you're in the 30s we didn't grow up with the internet we grew up with the news right so you didn't really know like what was happening outside of your hood basically right so for me I was really, really focused on getting to college because I was like, that's my way out. Once I get to college and if it's a good school, I'll, I'll be done. I'll be finished. I'll be set. Um, so, you know, that was, that was like my focus in school. But I think once I kind of found my voice, the one thing that was always, the one thing that I think people would say is like, I was never afraid to kind of just like tell it like it is. Like I was always kind of uh, I got in trouble for talking a lot and, I got in trouble for being a bit of a smart ass. So that's probably, uh, I'm like a, I was like a little roaster. That's like what I like doing. Like you we know, sit in the cafeteria and you know, I'd be making fun of people like, oh, why are you wearing that shirt? Or, or, oh my God, you got an 85 on that test. Like Jesus Christ, <laughs> it would be near me. That's contagious. Like um, I would, I, you know, I was kind of like, I, I was a big roast kind of guy, but like, that's the thing. You know, it was always the integrity and the realness and the truth was, was really my driving factor. So it wasn't, I'm I was never been like I'm for one for gimmicks. That's not something that, you know, I wasn't doing like impressions and stuff like that. I mean, no, no disrespect to anyone that does that. Yeah. I do some impressions, mostly of, um, mostly of people I know, no celebrities, but um, yeah. I think once I got to work though, that's when my voice really kind of came out. Like I was, I, you know, I always make people laugh But everyone. You always make your friends laugh and your friends always make you laugh. That's why you're friends with them. Right. You're no, yeah. no one's really friends with people that are just kind of like sitting there all the time. And, sounding, sounding off like a human encyclopedia. Um, but once I got to work, that's when I realized like there's a real need for this kind of levity and, and just seeing the reality of things. It's not, I mean, about like, you know, everyone knows what a work environment's like. It's usually kind of boring and you know, people are just in meetings and they're quiet, but I always got the feeling that like, you know, people really just aren't honest with themselves at work. They're not being authentic at work. And that's, and I think really more than jokes or, you know more than funny jokes like what makes people laugh is just like a whiff of authenticity like when you just say something that's real or you say what someone else is thinking that's when people kind of like let their guard down like oh my god like like that is funny this meeting was pointless you know um (laughs) so that's when i found my voice and that's when i realized like you know what like because it came up in my reviews like i remember i was in a review uh during my banking days and my boss was like you know uh, it was a good quarter. You worked on some good deals. Your analysis is always good. Oh, and one more thing came up a lot. Uh, you're very funny and easy to work with. And and that's and ever since huge. then, that's been like kind of bubbling in my head. It's like, you know, it's not normal to be that way. Yeah, you're, you're weird. You're a weirdo, dude. You got to you got to yeah. embrace that and own it.
0: <laughs> so let me ask you this. Um, if someone is naturally, let's say, funny and they write well, but they, what they don't have is what you said. Like you enjoy public speaking. You have this charisma about you on stage. Somebody that is funny has good ideas, can write, but doesn't have that you Thank know you. ability ability to speak uh, on stage or you know has fear of public speaking. What would you say to them? Like how, how do you how would they get started?
1: I would I would say stay at Goldman. Don't get started. You know why? Um, <laughs> why break something if it doesn't need to be broken? Do your thing. Keep getting money. I I would not recommend doing what I did to anybody. Okay. If you're on like the partner track, like start comedy at 40. I've seen many people, I've seen many people start comedy at 50. Um, No, look, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's look, if you can, I would say this advice is coming from a place that's not really about comedy. It's more just about different stages of my life. Like I've, I've had major transitions and luckily I've, I've lived a very, very blessed life. I've had two supportive parents, they're healthy. I'm an only child. so I don't have to worry about fighting other siblings for food or attention or anything like that. But I've always wanted to be honest with myself and others. And I've always wanted to be responsible. Those are the two things that, that kind of have always been themes in my life. And I remember when I got to college, it was a big adjustment. I'd never really lived away from home. I lived a very kind of like sheltered life in the suburbs It's all white people. They all think the same way. They all do the same things. They're great people, but you know, there's not a lot of diversity, right? Um, At every stage of my life, even when I went to the corporate world, I'd never been in a corporate job before. It was weird. I didn't feel like myself, but I believed that I had a place there and that gave me the motivation to learn how to use Excel, to learn how to talk to other people in a meeting. And it also gave me the confidence to leave. So I would say for anyone, you know, if you aren't naturally funny, which trust me, a lot of people aren't even, I don't think I'm a funny guy in the sense that I'll make observations and make connections, but you got to work at this every day. And if you're willing to suffer every single day to get better, because you think that this is something that is important to you and speaks to your values, then you should do it. And whether that's comedy, whether that's entrepreneurship, whether that's being a doctor, whether that's being the best pole dancer you can be, you know, if you are willing to to suffer through it because you think it's a learning experience, then, you know, go do your thing, right? I mean, look at like, look at all the stuff that's out on Instagram about fitness and weight loss, right? How many professional athletes do you know? Probably not many, but how many people are really operating in a way for that area of their life, like they're athletes, right? They control what they're, they're eating, they control their diet, they wake up at six in the morning to go run, they do marathons like you can do it for areas of your life, even if you're not trying to be a professional athlete, you can do the same thing for things like being funny or public speaking. But it's got to be something that's important to you. And you got to align it to bigger things than just being funny. If you want to be funny, just for the sake of being funny, you're probably not going to end up being that funny. It's kind of like money, right? A lot of people that just want money only because they want a nice car or a house. They're usually the ones that don't really end up making that much money. It's the people like, warren buffett or bill gates that kind of yeah. fall into it because their rays are focused on like how am i going to change the world how am i going to be the best honest person or the, be the best like technologist i could be and then you fall into all this other stuff that you never wanted
0: yeah no it's it's, it's very true um yeah uh what's uh, how do people find out about Gan, you So what's
1: your, right? my mom what's, would be like oh gang Gan,
0: Gandhi. Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Mitra. (laughs) Her
1: favorite
0: favorite thing to say is there's,
1: (laughs) she's friends with like all of her, um, you know, like her cousins and and, um, I I guess her peers, like her cousin, sisters, everyone who who still live in in Kolkata. Some of them moved to to Bangalore. And I think the big trend now out there is to share these like really wise, woke memes of like, you know, like if, if people... Like don't let people into your life. Like be protective over your energy. And she'll show me these things that like my cousin's sharing, and she'll be like, "What kind of attitude? Gambit? Oh, Everybody's. I call it Facebook. <laughs> really
0: philo- cool. it's Facebook philosophy. <laughs> Everybody's a Facebook philosopher these days. It's uh, it's really yeah, interesting. Um, how do people find out about you? What's yeah, your so, ID again? What's your website? So yeah, so I just say, um, at, at the risk website. of being like, um.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So thank you. Um, I'm on Instagram, Mitra NYC, Mitra NYC, M-I-T-R-A-N-Y-C. And you can find me on YouTube under Anish K. Mitra, Anish K. Mitra. And I am, I'm in LA right now, but I'm going to be flying back. I mean, you know, granted, there's some crazy stuff going on in the world right now, but the minute, or hopefully the minute that subsides... We're going to be doing the surprise show monthly in New York. So if you want to learn more about the show, you can go to thesurpriseshow.nyc. And we're also on Instagram. You can go to my account to find the account, or you can go to thesurpriseshownyc at Instagram, and uh, you know, see pictures of all the people we've had, all the fun people are having. Um, yeah, we'll post and, some uh, pictures you know, on bro. Facebook too. So I'm I'm out here, man.
0: Cool. Yeah, we'll post links to all of that uh, when we post this. Yeah, this is our this is our, this is our first uh, crowdcast podcast. So thanks for uh, hanging in with the with the tech issues and uh, and coming yeah. on. And uh, oh, of and, course, are you kidding and, me? I'm and when I come back get through to, to life, yeah. man. Yeah, and when I come back to New York, and hopefully you're there, we'll uh, definitely meet up.
1: yeah yeah well we'll link up who knows maybe we should uh we should do a crowdcast part two or part five yeah, i guess right part we five yeah but um <laughs> but, yeah. yeah all right man uh, thanks absolutely man thanks thanks for having me this this has been great um follow the journey and you know it'll be it'll be fun i love hearing from people too so if you have ideas you know reach out to me let me know i'm a nice guy
0: i don't bite cool thanks bye For always in my thoughts I gotta be honest With diamonds and pearls Yeah, yeah is in New York All over the world yeah, uh, It's the bony show uh, Hey can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live. From the slang we spit to the gangs we're with. It doesn't matter. We the essence of the Bangladesh. I said, hey, come on. Can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live. From the slang.